you got a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and I'm going to try to move a little quicker. A powerful passage. Uh, one of the most powerful passages, really as powerful of a couple of verses as any of you are going to see in the scriptures. As I've been sharing with you, what we've done, um, uh, starting in the beginning of the summer, um, we, we st- I just decided I wanted to do a, a picture uh, of the book of Romans and let you see it. And, and the book of Romans is, is to me, the, one of the great works in the scriptures that teaches really important things, foundational things. It was written mainly to Gentiles, uh, that is those who aren't Jewish. Uh, so much of the, of, the, of the Bible is written around our Jewish, you know, we talked about that last week in God's Not Finished with Israel. And, but this one's written as, as really a great, a great foundation to who we are, what we believe, all the things that go with it. So, so what we did was we started and we did the first 10 chapters, right? And the first 10 chapters are all about salvation. They're all about the difference, who Christ is, what he came to do, the difference that makes in your life, why he had to come, uh, the differences that live inside of us, you know, the old nature, new nature. We've already talked about all of those things. And then after 10 chapters, we took about three weeks, right? We took about three weeks off and kind of kicked off financial peace, by the way, which I'm hearing awesome things about. And so, and again, to remind you that, you know, keep, keep making sure you're staying with that because it's going to be, uh, you're going to see great things. But anyway, so, and then last week we kind of came back to Romans. Romans chapter 11, and it was kind of a transitional chapter from the first 10 chapters to chapter 12, which today, today's title is I, I, just Christian living, right? Living for Christ, however you want to call it. It's, it's different from what you might think it is because it's, it's, it's a transition. It's a change. It's like rounding a corner and, and, and I mean, you're still on the same road, but you're kind of going in a different direction. And, and chapter 12 is huge because the first 10 chapters are how you, how you become his. And then chapter 12 begins this thought of, after you are his, what does that look like? All right? Who are you in him? Not who the church says you are or denominations or anybody, but what does it say here? Guys, you're going to see in chapter 12, this is a very, this is a very hard-hitting chapter. It's definitely not politically correct, not for our day. But my passion for this series has been just to let it speak, right? Just let it speak. So I'm going to let it speak today. I'm going to explain some things around the words and maybe a little bit of context and other things. But most of it, I just, I just want to let it speak. Also, one thing I will remember, I, I will remind you to remember, is that this reminds you to remember. You like that? And so there's this thought of, you know, I'll ask you the question is, who... who uh, who was the book of Romans written to? The Romans, yeah, y'all are brilliant, right? <laughs> and now you remember who it's written to. And if you know your history books, you remember what happened to a whole bunch of Christians at Rome. Okay? And so factor that into what Paul's telling them. Now, this is before those things happened. But factor that in, right? And you'll see what we're talking about. Now, just so that you don't get nervous, I know I say this often, we're going to spend 75, 80% of our time on number one. Just so when I say, let's go to number two, and you go, oh, all right, you'll know that I'm, I'm going to spend the majority. Why? Because if you, get, if you get verses one and two right, then the rest fall into place easily. 
In fact, to be honest, in chapter 12, I could do, I, I, I would normally do three different messages, but I'm doing them all in the same day. Because there's a, there's a beauty in the big picture I don't want you to miss. The microscopic picture is fun, it's, it's, it's cool, it's exciting, but you miss some when you just go you know, a few verses at a time. So that's what I'm gonna to do today. We're gonna to fly a little quicker, right? And you understand. So basically, let's talk about relationships, right? And this is gonna be, number one is gonna be our relationship with God. Number two is, is our relationship with fellow believers. And then number three is our relationship with the world or with perhaps those who, who are against us, all right? We'll talk about that in a minute. But, but number one is our relationship with God. And, and when I'm talking about this, this is individual relationship, right? This is key. Everything in chapter 12, you have to remember this, everything in chapter 12 hinges on these first two verses, especially the first verse. And if you get that piece, but I will tell you this, it is countercultural. You will not hear, this, this is why this is not taught today. Because this definitely cuts against the grain of, of especially the culture in which you and I live. This is why you don't hear people talk about this anymore. It's like I say, this is not a politically correct message. It's not even close. You'll see why in just a minute. So let's jump into, we'll spend again, the majority on just this first verse. Now, let's see what it says. Chapter, chapter 12, verse one, it says, I appeal to you, therefore. A therefore relates everything that was just said to what's about to be said. And so therefore, since all of that stuff, you know, all that stuff of, of sinfulness in our lives, God loving us, sending Christ, who Christ is, what he came to do, the difference that makes in your life, you become his, right? And the battle that goes on inside, you know, in chapters seven, six and seven and in, in parts of eight, you know, he talks about the, the war that wages, the, the new nature and the old nature. And we've talked about that. That's why it's, it's, we've talked about all that in the past. And, and so since all of that's true, therefore, all right, I appeal to you. The old King James says, I beseech you. It's almost like I, I beg you. So there's this thought then that it's a choice if you are a believer. And guys, that's a big if. You're the only one that knows that and I will not make that judgment call. But if you're his, I'm not talking about if you're religious, I'm not talking about if you're part of a church, I'm not talking about you know this, this, this. I, has there been a time in your life right? Where there's a new creation, there's this new person that, that God has been making of you, and you can't not know it, all right? You'll see it. It's all right here. This is what is taught. This is what is shared with here. Therefore, I appeal to you. I beg you. It's your choice as a believer, right? I appeal to you there, brothers. Look at this. By the mercies of God, or if you will, because of God's mercy. So when we go back to even last week and then the weeks behind, so therefore, if you take a look at all that God has done in your life, if you think about the grace he's extended to you, grace, mercy here, because of God's mercy, I appeal to you. I beg you, brothers. Therefore, he's made the difference in your life. Then here's what he wants you to do. And I find it amazing that it's, it's, it's couched in an appeal. And you'll see what I mean by that in a minute. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
right? Now, that, that's huge. We're going to take the time to understand before you and I leave what that phrase means. And if you're his today, this is, this is who he's called us to be after we're his, right? So to present, the word to present means where we get our word present from, right? It's when you give something to someone, right? And to present is to, is to give away, okay? So to present yourself, your bodies, right? And he talks about as a living sacrifice. We're not talking about a sacrifice like you and I would think, right? We're talking about a living sacrifice. Therefore, what does that even mean? Well, well first of all, the word present means to give or to, to give, you know, right, right, to someone. The word, the word sacrifice, uh, again, I can give you, give you illustrations about it. The word sacrifice means to give, right, for the betterment of someone else. That's what the word sacrifice. Uh, baseball, right? Uh, not a huge fan. I know a lot of you are, but there's a sacrifice in baseball. We even showed one one time here on Sunday. You know, basically a guy, right, who's up to bat. It's his bat, right? He's and he he gets out on purpose to advance someone else. Okay, and I know it's just a game, and in a game it's it's not that big a deal, but in life it is a big deal, right? Sacrifice, people giving for the betterment of someone else. The ultimate sacrifice is to give your life, right? And everybody talks about, well, you know, they gave their life for me. But the greater question is not that they gave their life for me. Are you willing to give your life for someone else? Everybody talks about the other one who does it. But what about you? That becomes a picture of what it means to be a living sacrifice, right? In our country today, you and I live in freedom, right? You and I joy, enjoy freedom. But you do realize the reason you live in freedom is because a whole lot of people sacrifice so you could be free. You get that piece, right? right? And it's easy to forget, right? It's easy to forget. So sacrifice is built into our culture, right? And we understand that piece, but that's what he means. I beg you, brothers, in, in, in because of God's mercy in your life, because of what he did in our lives, because of Christ's sacrifice and the difference it's made in our lives, is that his call on your life, if you're his, if you're not his, you will never understand what I'm talking about. You just won't. You'll look at me, that guy's not the, he's nuts. Or you'll try to brand me as wanting something from you, right? Oh, he just wants you know, my money, he just wants money. I've, I've been around it all my life, I see it. But if you're his, this is his call on your life, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. And it is your choice, right? He wouldn't be requesting it if it's not your choice, even as a believer. I find that interesting. It's not, it's not made, you're not forced. Therefore, you serve him because you choose to. You love him because you choose to, not because you're made to. You're not a robot. So to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So I understand sacrifice, you give your life. That's the ultimate sacrifice. But what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? That means that you use your time, 
your talents and your resources for the betterment of someone else, for the, making a difference in someone else's life. That's who he's called you to be because of what he did in yours. Does that make sense? So it is a total difference of a way to live than the culture in which you live teaches you. Okay, let me blow up a few things here, all right? The whole world around you, the whole advertising industry around you wants to tell you that it's, it's all about you, right? And because you deserve it. Well, I don't wanna be ugly, but you don't deserve it. And that almost makes you pull back and like, how can you say that? Well, you don't. It wouldn't be mercy and grace if you deserved it. If what Christ did for you, if you deserved it, I mean, it wouldn't be grace and mercy, right? You don't deserve it. You don't deserve anything. And yet, boy, that just really, really sets our culture on edge. Not other cultures, just ours, just the self-centered ones, all right? Therefore, it's all about me, right? And that is not who he's called you to be. And yet the world stresses on you if you don't look out for yourself. No one else will look out for you. Now listen to this, all right? Most people say, well, if, if I sacrifice that, then I'll lose it, all right? And see, that's the incredible part. That's why you will never get this if you're not his. Because Jesus himself made the statement, what? In order to gain your life, you have to give it away. Okay, we understand that piece, and it all is built around this little verse here. But if you are all about stuff, why? Because this world lives by its appetites. Let's face it, you have appetites. And if you live by your appetites, which our world lives by their appetites. Jeff, what do you mean by appetites? Well, just genuine food, right? Okay, that one. But you go past that, there are all kinds of appetites. Sexual appetites, my gosh. It's a sexual crazy world in which we live. And let me tell you this, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how that's destroying hearts and minds. I just can't tell you it is. I mean, it, how much it is. Because that appetite, my friend, you go running down that road, it'll consume you. Your every thought, I mean, it just dominates and it never satisfies. Oh, sure, short term. But that's the problem with satisfying an appetite of this world. It's always short term. The other thing, you know, different appetites. The other one is that being happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And I promise you, if that's a goal of yours, you'll never get there. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> uh, but seriously, if your goal is to be happy, it, it, it's a self-serving, self-centered thing. And so you wind up making choices that never get you there. Isn't that interesting? So if you lose your life, right, you'll gain it. But if you try to, if you seek to gain it, what? You'll lose it. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. And what did he mean by that? Well, it's this whole thing of appetites is that if you give in to and start seeking a certain appetite, it just makes, it, you'll never get there. You wind up losing it. Interesting. Interesting. Like, but the be happy thing, let's, Let's just stay there for a second. I just want to just tell you about our world. And by the way, I'm not being judgmental. I'm really not, guys. 
If I wasn't a believer, I'd be heading down one of these appetite roads, guaranteed, guaranteed, and was well on my way before I became a believer. No judgmentalness here, just wanting you to see how it works. But this whole be happy, right? I was, because that's what the goal most people seek. I just want me and my family to be happy. Okay, good. But always, the question I always ask, how do you want to get there? And basically, it's, it's, it's a feeling that someone's looking for, and that's what makes it tough. And let's just use one of many ways people take. Um, I take like, like alcohol, drugs and alcohol, all right? Drugs and alcohol are, are, do they make you feel good? Absolutely, all right? You can tell everybody I said that too. Do they make you feel happy? Yes, they do. Problem is, is that it's short term and it doesn't last, right? And if you start seeking that road, if you start devoting yourself to that road, everybody in the room knows where that ends, right? A synthetic feel good just makes the hole bigger. Does that make sense? And I'm just using that one because most of the roads in there, appetites. And that's what he's talking about. So what he's saying is, is that because of God's mercy and the difference he's made in your life, I want you to dedicate, if you're his, I want you to dedicate yourself to the furtherance of someone else. And guys, that's so against our culture, even among Christians. Okay? I'm about to get in trouble here. Even among people today that are in churches, because I hear them. You know, what are you looking for in a church? Well, I'm looking for a church that'll meet my needs. And I, I know this sounds bad, but it's like, please go somewhere else. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because if I'm looking at this correctly, you need to be looking for a church that you can be a living sacrifice at. Therefore, I want to dedicate myself, not to myself, but to others. And see, guys, that's, that's why this is countercultural. That's why what I'm saying to you today is, is maybe even rub you a little wrong way because it's not politically correct, but it is who he's called us to be. Now, granted, if you're a brand new believer, you need, you need help. You need help in growing. You need somebody ministering to you. But if your desire to being here is because they're all going to help me, they're all going to reach out to me, they're all going to serve me, then yes, please go somewhere else. We're, our servants are working hard enough, right? And so you have then this picture of who he's called us to be, and you'll see it. It's just as clear as I begin to walk down it. You'll go, that is what it says. My only desire is to let it speak. I just want you to see it and let it speak. And what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means to say, I want to make a difference in other people's lives. But see, here, here comes the key issue to this, is that you will only be able to do that if your tank is full and if he's the one filling your tank. But if you're even getting your tank full by serving others, you'll run empty. And that's where, that's where it begins to be a struggle. And guys, I get it, I understand, I do. I mean, I've been there, we've all been there, but, but when, you find, when you find what you're looking for in him, then giving away 
really turns into not losing but gaining because you find out that he's there to replace you. But I'm here to tell you, if you're running in your own power, you'll eventually, and because we live in this world, you eventually, you know, when you serve, whatever it is, you eventually will start having feelings Well, nobody knows, nobody cares. Nobody even notices what I do. Well, guys, that's kind of the role of the servant. If you're looking for everybody else to notice and to, and to, and to applause, then you'll eventually quit. You got to have gas different than that kind of gas. Does that make sense? And this is not biological gas, right? We're talking about, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You've got to have, you, if you find your sufficiency in him, you'll be able to serve tirelessly. But if you're running off any of kind of a personal type fuel, right? you'll run out and you'll, you'll, get, you'll get frustrated. Nobody cares, nobody knows this. You know how long I've been doing what I've been doing? Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. But eventually you get to the, down to the point to where the reason you are doing what you're doing is because of what he's done in your life. Because of God's mercy in my life, I'm gonna present myself a living sacrifice. All right? So therefore, Therefore, it's because of him. And guys, let me tell you something. It's not because you made that decision one time. It's a battle. It's a constant battle. Why? Because you have to live in this self-centered world. I, I, guys, I hear you. This is not a be down on your message. This is just, I just want to shock you into the perspective of who God's called you to be and get you back there, or perhaps maybe get you there for the first time. This is who he's called us to be, and you'll see how us fits in just a minute, because that's where he goes from here. But right now, he's just talking about your relationship with Tim, and then he tells you how he wants you all to fit together in just a minute. And so there's this picture of a living sacrifice, dedicating it to who he is. And somebody tell me, this is a long time ago, and somebody come in and tell me, you know, Jeff, you don't understand. I, <laughs> I, I work, you know, 50 hours a week in an office where everybody in the room, the only thing they care about is themselves. I said, I get it. I get it. That's the world you live in. That's the world all of us live in, you know? But that's why he's called you to be different. You don't live by the same appetites. You don't watch the same scoreboard, right? You are citizens of a different country and all the other metaphors the Bible talks about, if you're his, if you're his. Interesting, huh? We become so consumer oriented in our culture that it leaks over and really destroys who God's called us to be. Therefore, I tend, I go to this because I like this and I like that. Rarely do you hear people say, well, gosh, I attend there because they need me. God led me there because I'm, you know, I remember one time, and this is the hardest thing. Take a look at the rest of this verse, right? Holy, acceptable. The word acceptable is an amazing word. And it goes back to the Old Testament when, 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 they talked, when, when God talked about a, a sacrifice that was acceptable right? Um, and so when you, when you look acceptable, acceptable, reasonable also is, is to God, holy and acceptable to God, here go, which is your, which is your spiritual worship. 
Spiritual worship, spiritual worship. Okay, what's he talking about? Okay, if you look at the rest, if we look at the rest of the book of Romans, he talked about the flesh and the spirit. All right, he's talking about worship here. All right, so what is worship? Worship here, and one of the greatest forms of worship is living a living, being a living sacrifice. And so when you're a living sacrifice, that is worship. And yet we have to be careful. I love music. I do. I love, I love the music that's going on in here. But there is much more to worship than music. You do understand that. Just because you sing, that is worship, but that's not it. The greater is what it represents. And he is saying, it's acceptable. It's, I like the way the, the old King James says it. it's reasonable, right? It's your reasonable act of worship. In other words, that's who he's called us to be. And this is not some just supercharged believer in Christ. This is just the way it should be. This is just normal, right? Right? This is, who, this is just expected, right? Therefore, we don't applaud the person who lives as a living sacrifice. No, that's what they should do. It's reasonable because of what he's done in our life. You know, guys, I, one time, not here, at another place, there was a, there was a family it was so exciting. They came to know Christ and they had two kids and the, the husband, wife, and they came to know Christ and, and um, became part of our church. Well, I, they started coming to our church, they came to know Christ and they joined and they started, they just were growing and things were going just so incredible and, and I was excited for them. And, um, and it was interesting because sometimes I don't really know, I don't really know how to answer this question, but by and large, by far, my greatest question from people is about God's will. Jeff, how do I know God's will for my life? All right, let's read this next verse and then I'll tell you about the, the family that I, was, that I introduced to you. It says, so therefore, which is your spirit? It says, don't be conformed to this world. What does it mean to conform? It means to be like to conform by, because this world around you wants you to conform and be like them. It's the pressure that's put on. Why is it, why is it that some of you, right, feel pressured to buy, okay, the $350 dress, the $250 pair of tennis shoes, when the ones without somebody's name on it are less than half? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I just dreaming up here, all right? Why? Because of this incredible need to fit. And that need comes from the world in which you live. But see, the cool part about it is when you're in him, you don't have to have that stuff because you're playing by different rules. It's not a big deal. Or it becomes less and less of a deal. You still have to live here and it's still a battle, it's still a fight as you'll see in just a minute in the story I'm gonna tell you. But to conform, to be like, it says, that's what he's telling you. If you're not gonna struggle with it, he wouldn't be telling you. If you understand the battle that goes on inside that's mentioned in chapter six and seven, Paul says the war waging in my, memory, in my members, you'll find out what that is in a minute, to conform or to live transformed. 
right? To battle, battle, bang, 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 right? Battle, battle, battle. Therefore conform, be like us, whatever, whatever, whatever. So, so be conformed to this world, that is to be like, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Transform, all right? Transform, transform. I told you a little bit about this last week. Form makes sense, that's who you are. Trans means to change. Because when you transport something, you change ports, right? Move something from one port to another port. That's what transport means or transportation, right? So to transform means to change the form of it. It's supernatural. It's a metamorphosis, really. It means something is there that was not there. It's been changed. And that is the teaching throughout the scripture. So if that has happened in your life, whether you call it, a, you know, whether you call it a new creation, right? Whether you call it the, the new man, right? Uh, the new person, the, the, the whatever. Born again, Jesus would call it. Whatever you call it, there's something that's changed, and that's what he's referred to, right? This nature, this being transformed, this is by the renewing of your mind and the battle that goes on between the two. It goes on to say that by testing, you may discern, that is, be able to tell what God's will is. So living in that, now, back to our story. God's will. That is the most asked question I have, right, by far, in reality, in some variation, some form. Somebody will come to me, and it's a great question, right? I don't mind it. But sometimes it's hard to answer, uh, especially if I'm answering it from someone who I don't know if they're a believer or not, or if they're a believer and they're conforming to the world, obviously. Now, I'm about to make some of you real uncomfortable, but I want you to hear this, all right? Don't you love it when I lead up to that? All right, so what do you mean, Jeff? All right, here we go. God's will. Most of the time, we have this, this craziness of God's will for my life. What's God's will for my life? You need to drop off for my life and ask the question, what's his will? Because sometimes you think that God's will is maybe what's best for you. Well, do you remember the Romans? Right? Where God was taking them was not real pleasant. But my goodness, their sacrifice rocked the world. If you know anything about history, absolutely amazing. And so we have, see, and I just want you to hear, we have this egocentric view of God's will that, oh, well, that God's there to make me happy, right? And that would never happen. And, and it's just not the truth. It's the faulty version. The, it's, the, it's the Christianese version. Guys, there are only about 100 books out there, and you need to throw them all in the trash. There's only about 100 books out there now that talk about, you know, Christian life and God making you happy and all of the rest, you know, and they're just not in. Well, anyway, here's the story. So this couple, you know, and they were growing and growing, and, uh, and he came to me one day, said, you know, Jeff, I'm sorry. He said, I hate this, but we're, we're moving to Charlotte. I said, oh, I do hate that. I said, how do you know God's moving you to Charlotte? He says, well, I don't know about that. He says, but I'm going to make twice what I make here. And I didn't even know how to talk to him. I had no idea how to talk to him. We said, well, of course, Jeff, you know. Of course, that's got to be God's will. Why? Why? What if I stood up here and, and resigned? You know, hey, guys, um, there's a company over in 
Atlanta that's going to, I'm going to be working for their communications department and they want me to do communications and selling widgets or whatever. And you would look down on me because you're like, you mean you're going to stop doing what God wants you to do for more money? And yet I know very few believers who could pass that up. Sometimes God, that's what God wants for you, opportunities he provides. But guys, if you're living conforming to this world, you'll make that decision every time. And that's not necessarily. Well, they did. He took it and I didn't even know how to talk to him. When you ask somebody about God's will and they're, and they're not even on the page, it's almost impossible to explain it to them. So they moved off and I didn't hear from them for a while, but then they called back and they were struggling and couldn't find a church that they felt like they really fit. And then they just stopped going all together. And before long, it just was an explosion. So, but they made more money. I hope you're hearing my heart. This is not about money or not money. I'm talking about what are you living for? What are you dedicating yourself to? Because if you truly are his, if you make more money, that just means more, he has more, right? Guys, it's a different way of living. And we live in a culture that even among Christians, that's not what you hear. You know, it's all about the individual. That's not what he's called us to. So, number one, <laughs> aren't you glad I told you? Oh, yeah, right. He's going to spend 80% of the time there. Yeah, right. All right. Because that is the key. That is the key. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Without that, the rest of this makes no sense. And without that, you will never understand who he's called you to be. You will have this version that you've made up in your own head or read with popular Christian books, right? This is his plan. This is who he's called. This is his will, right? So let's take a look at it. So number one then is our relationship to God. Number two is our relationship with fellow believers. Now this is how he's, this is how, what, what he's called it to look like. It is so hard in our language. We have a failure in our language. Is that, you know, singular and plural you, right? I can talk, be talking about you individual, or I can be talking about you, plural, all right? In, in the South, we have a version, y'all. But I get letters when I use the word y'all a lot, all right? from English people. And so, uh, but y'all's pretty good because it is plural. It's just slang plural, all right? So forgive me for using y'all. When I say you, I'm meaning you individual. Now when I'm saying y'all, I'm meaning all of y'all. Good, all right. So our relationship with fellow believers. So therefore there's this cool relationship since we are his and since we have committed ourselves all right, to him as a living sacrifice, if a lot of us have done that, then he, it's not just to be a sacrifice for being a sacrifice's sake. It's to be sacrificing towards something. And it's this greater picture that he has in mind. And he explains it here in the rest of the chapter. I usually take long periods of time to explain all these things, detail, detail, but as I've told you, I want you to get the big picture today and see what this means. But in reality, God wants to use us, okay? Y'all, not you, 
Again, there's another hundred Christian books that you can go buy about finding God's will for your life. Or people who say, I want to do something great for God. Well, if it's not in the context of, of a group, it's really not a plan. And you may make a little impact, but not much. Not like what he wants to do. Interesting, huh? You'll see it in just a minute. All right, so the first thing on your relationship with our fellow believers, number one is an evaluation of yourself. Therefore, you have to take a look at yourself honestly, right? Because it's not yours anyway. Why? Because you're already a living sacrifice. So take a look at it. And it says here, verse three, all right? By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself or himself more highly than you ought to think. Now, with that comes, don't think lower of yourself than you should think either. Okay, you'll see what I mean. It says, but think with sober judgment. Therefore, get a good look at the gifts that he has given you. You'll see it in just a minute, but there's this concept of, it's, it's an amazing thing, because there are some parts, uh, whatever it is, parts of the body, parts of a team that are a little more showy than others. But by and large, the greater jobs that are available are, are the ones that don't get a lot of press. Like when you look at the body, right? right? The eyes, they get a lot of compliments sometimes. But the ears don't get any compliments. <laughs> right? You've heard you have beautiful eyes, but my bet is you've never heard, wow, you've got great looking ears. <laughs> so therefore... The ears could really get to be feeling inferior and saying, we're not important. But are they? Of course they are. They're just not as showy, right? And yet we as a culture focus on the showy, right? The showy gets all the press. I played sports, played football, right? And especially in high school, the college I was kind of played in a different spot, but in high school, I'd played, you know, I played offensive line and full back, right? But what those are is, is that basically you're killing yourself so that another guy can, can do well. Okay? That's basically what you do if you don't understand it. And there was nothing worse than a prima donna running back, right? That when he goes prancing into the end zone and he does his dance and he points at himself and and you look back at these other guys who all were killing themselves so he could do that. And somehow he thinks it was all him. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. A lot of people, if you are successful, a lot of people got you there. It's the same in the church concept. God doesn't have superstars. And yet so many want to make superstars of believers. Please don't. You're messing the whole thing up. There are no superstars. Why? Because it's a team, really it's a body concept that he teaches. And it doesn't work unless there is this living sacrifice that you're giving of yourself for the whole. Does that make sense? This is his teaching, not mine. So let's read it. Don't think of yourself more highly than you Think with sober judgment according to the faith that's been assigned to you. So you have a cooperation. Here comes the body, and I've already kind of told you a little bit, so I don't have to tell you more. But here's the body comparison, he says. Take a look now, if you will, in verse 4. 
cooperation with the body. It says, for as in one body, we have many members. I've heard people tell me, well, I don't see in the Bible where it says you have to be a member. <laughs> Just in case you didn't see over here, right? Well, yeah, that's where the word membership comes from. It's a biblical concept. The health spas and the other place have just stolen it. To be a member is to be, because what, what is a body? It has parts, members. It's kind of gross, but when you dismember a body, what do you do? You start cutting the parts off. So therefore membership, member being a member, and if you are his, you are a member, whether you're a good one or not, whether you've chosen to be a living sacrifice or not, right? But it says members, and they don't have all the same function. Well, that makes sense. That's why I just went over the showy pieces, right? And the ones that, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's don't all have the same function. Why? Because if everybody was an eye, what good would that be? You'd see things clearly, but you wouldn't do anything, right? It's an amazing concept that he's, he's throwing out here, right? And so we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So no matter how different we may be, we all work together. And what you and I can accomplish together is what he wants, not what you and I can, comp can, can accomplish by ourselves. And yet all you ever hear, do something great for God. It's never gonna happen, because that's not his MO, right? He wants you in the context, right? He wants you in the context of this body, right? It's amazing. Again, this is not my idea. If you have a problem with this, you know, take it up with Paul, right? But we are individually members of one another. That makes sense too, right? Therefore, everything works together, right? This hand knows where to pick something up by several different things happening, right? Therefore, we are interdependent, if you will, on one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace that's been given to us. Let's use those according to the proportion of our faith. If it's, you know, if it's prophecy, now don't let that word throw you. I, I usually take an entire time to go over all these gifts. These are gifts that God has given, right, to be used in concert within, within a body of believers, right? And I, sometimes I, I, I spend a lot of time talking about these. But sometimes the prophet, people think, oh, that means something in the future. No, the prophet's goal, God did give them abilities at times to give them credibility, especially seeing the future and other things. But a prophet's role was to, was to warn people of, of directions that weren't right or, or hey, God's, God says, hey, listen, you're, in the, you're doing what's wrong. This is coming, that kind of stuff. So there's a, there's a need. There's a warning need, okay? a pain in the chest, something might not be right, right? The prophet, right? The second one's the servant. I have found that I would say the vastly greater majority of any local church are made up of those with the gift of serving. Jesus said the greatest among you will be the ones who serve. And if you serve faithfully, you will not get a whole lot of credit, you will not get a whole lot of applause, but Christ will call you the greatest those who serve. I call it the blood of the body. The blood takes everything to everywhere. And if your blood gets sick, everything else is gonna shut down too. 
It's not glamorous. You don't get a whole lot of press, but everything runs because of you. And if you band together because there are so many needs, right? It's an amazing thing. I can't say that, we gotta move on, all right? Teaching makes sense, right? Exhorting, that is encouraging. The body, right? Generosity, that is giving, right? And then the last one is mercy. I find it interesting that that's given out as a gift. God gives as a gift, why? Because people blow it. People blow it. You've all blown it. Some of you are blowing it now, right? Or you've just found out you've blown it. Or you know you've blown it, now everybody's found out. Again, all of us are there. And a church needs to be and needs to have people who God's given a big heart to, to extend mercy, right? You won't appreciate them until you've blown it. But they'll be the ones that are still sitting beside you. All right, pretty cool, huh? So God puts all these together. Notice here, I don't have time to explain it, but notice here that none of the sign gifts are mentioned. Tongues, healing, right? Like they are mentioned in 1 Corinthians. I'll have to tell you about that later. All right, number three, right? Number three is a participation with others. Now, I can go through the rest of this quickly because he just gives you admonitions of how to treat one another, right? Let love be genuine, not the fake false stuff like our world does, you know, but real. Therefore, abhor what's evil, hold fast to what's good, love one another, right? Learn to love one another. Guys, if it wasn't going to be hard, it wouldn't be a command. Some of you are hard to love. Seriously, not you, but everybody else. (laughs) But guys, when a church is working in unity, and love is not a feeling, it's a choice. When a church is functioning, Jesus said the gates of hell won't stop it. Yet very few can ever do it. Why? Because too many opinions, too many, too much worldliness, really. Too much me, I think we ought to, yeah. But when a church is humming, when a church is living sacrifice and they're all banding together, hell won't stop it. It's an incredible thing. Jesus promised it wouldn't. It's an amazing thing to think about. Outdo one another, showing an honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, right? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. This is all of us as we band together. Contribute to the needs of those who are in need, right? Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, right? Do life is the picture, right? Live in harmony, right? And I use this often, this may help you, but live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Obviously, that makes sense. Anybody who's his, right? Only the world makes the people who creates the system of the highbrow and the lowly, right? The haves and the have-nots. You and I are not in that game. You and I don't play that game. Right? We, li- we, we were living by a different scoreboard. Right? Interesting. Interesting. And then the relationship with enemies. I'm just going to let you read that. 
But guys, as I say, all of it is dependent on verse one. That's why I spent all of my time there. He's got this whole plan he's called for us. And I can't tell you how many people have tried to do the plan without, without getting verse one right. Oh, well, we need, to, we need to find out our spiritual gifts and we need to separate people and get them all. But if there's no unity, if there's no living sacrifice, it's, it's, it's a bust. People just get mad at one another, right? Conflict comes up. There's no living sacrifice. Well, you know, I did that for a year. Nobody noticed. And then, all, and then it just goes down the drain, right? But if you get that living sacrifice work, that is the key to it all. Then it's amazing what can happen, right? Don't pay evil for evil. Why? Because that's what the world does. Look at verse 18. This is where I'll close. But I want you to see this. I give this, I give this counsel out all the time. It says, don't repay anybody evil for evil, but give thought to do what's honorable inside of all. Look at this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. So, so, all right. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, you know, Jeff, I tried to make right things right with so-and-so and they just wouldn't do it. Well, then you've done all you have to do. If possible, you see, to have peace, it takes what? To have peace, you have to have two, right? One person can't have peace, right? Between, between two sides, two. And so if the other one just will not do it, you've done all you can do. And that's all it tells you, that that's all you have to do. This is it's possible, okay? So far as it depends on you, Therefore, if there's no peace, it's not your, you're not the cause, right? They are the cause, but no longer you are the cause. So you've done all you can do. I just love that verse. Anyway, kind of got off a little bit, but you need to see it. I'll let you, don't avenge one another, don't avenge yourself. That's all the rest of it. That's just living differently, who he's called us to live. I've got to be done. I have gone so far over, I apologize. But I had to get you to see this in this big picture. Guys, this is who he's called us to be. But the living sacrifice piece is not an easy piece. Where are you, Tom? Come stand behind me so I'll stop. All right? All right? But the, but the living sacrifice is, and guys, it's not just a one-time decision. I'm promising you. I am promising you. You'll say, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice myself to you, and you can, you can take it back off the altar on your way out of the room. It's a, it's a constant thing, powerful thing. God bless you. God bless you as you do it.